welcome to the Elevate podcast. My name is Sarah Hopkins. And I'm Amanda Nogar, and these are conversations to elevate your health, relationships, and soul. And before we get into this awesome episode, we really want to share with you some exciting news. We are about to launch our brand new and very first retreat, Elevate Retreat. And this will be on from the 2nd to the 6th of May in beautiful Bali. And it will be a combination of all of our experience and passions in health coaching, Ayurveda, yoga and meditation. And it is designed to elevate your health, relationships and soul. We would love you to join us. All the information for this will be in the show notes. So please come along. I am just jumping into your ears today before this episode to let you know that Amanda and I for season two have been recording in two separate locales. I'm here in Perth and she is in the beautiful Ubud in Bali. So there is a little bit of discrepancy between our voices, but we hope that you love and enjoy the show. Today, we are going to talk about a topic that probably could be done in a million smaller podcast episodes, but we decided to sort of start macro and start big picture and and possibly lead in further seasons down the track into more of the intricacies and micros. What we really want to sort of expand on and talk about today is the loaded and huge topic of food. Obviously, this is probably the most polarizing and possibly dividing thing when it comes to particularly matters of health, I think. Um, but it's also just such an important player in well being. And certainly in my physical, emotional, and spiritual evolution, food has been a player in that process. It has, you know, it was the conduit or the the sort of pathway into some of my evolution at the expense of sounding a little bit cliched. You know, I really, my health journey and my wellbeing journey probably started with, you know, becoming aware of food and the impact that that had on my physiology and other parts of my well-being from a personal perspective in terms of my own history with food it's been a, a very complicated journey and as i said it has definitely been one that has been part of my spiritual evolution but it hasn't been without its trials and tribulations so Um, As a teenager and early adult, I really struggled with food. And I guess part of the reason for that was um, because of my body image. So I started noticing that I was somewhat overweight or chubby probably when I was, when I was developing in my early teens, probably not that flattering comments from members of my family, actually, but you know, that's what is often the case. And it's obviously said with love and unintentionally but I remember distinctly my beautiful grandmother deceased now grandmother just I sat on her lap I was maybe 12 or 11 and she said oh wow you definitely don't need a cushion to sit down on my lap 
And um, I just sort of remember that being a bit of a catalyst for me to really notice, wow, yeah, I am a little bit chubby. I am a little bit overweight. And, and that really was the beginning of a, a super unhealthy relationship with food and with um, my reflection in the mirror and how those two correlated with each other so uh, it started with I think some vegetarianism which I think was at that point my version of deprivation and um, by the time I was in my sort of mid-teens there was um, some anorexic-y activities going on some further deprivation of food Um, And then as I got a bit older and I discovered a few more techniques, I became actually bulimic and actually used laxatives. So, you know, and I had so much guilt around food and so much worry around food and so much worry about everything that I was putting in my mouth and and, and a real love-hate relationship with food. And I really think that that didn't really led up I didn't really evolve that until my sort of probably properly properly until my mid-30s when I started to understand the importance of food as something nourishing and as something that could provide me with a sense of well-being in all of the different aspects that I required it to and 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 that evolution was really propelled by my major mentor Paul Check and and the information in his book and consequently through studying through the Czech Institute so so yet my I guess my relationship with food like most women has been very complicated and I suppose not natural and intuitive like I would hope that it can evolve into how about you Amanda how is your history you got me thinking now I hadn't thought that far back for a long time about my food relationship but when I was in high school I was pretty slim I literally didn't eat most of the day like I would have a coffee on the way to school like in a takeaway cup and I'd rock up to my first period like first class with my takeaway coffee and I thought I was so fucking cool because I was drinking coffee (laughs) then for lunch I this is gonna just kill you (laughs) I would have a diet coke and a packet of red rock chips oh my god and then I'd go home and probably just have like you know, stock standard dinner, some some pasta and rice or something. I don't know. So I literally like wouldn't basically eat all day. I don't even know how I survived, how I learned anything at school <laughs> doing that. But I didn't really start thinking about body image stuff in a negative way until I started drinking alcohol, which, I mean, I probably started much younger but I would say like around 18 19 20 years old I had started traveling and just doing that classic kind of travel tourist you know young backpacker go out drinking every single night drinking the cheapest like sugary drinks and beer and stuff and just gross in hindsight I think that's what led me to like put on weight and I guess once you get once your hormones have like 
gone through that puberty stage and your metabolism starts to slow down as you become more of a woman and less of a kid, I definitely noticed a change in my body and then, of course, a change in my relationship to food. And that's when, yeah, I think I started thinking a bit more consciously about food. And it was also like at the intersection of time where I was starting to get more seriously into yoga. I'd been to India, which was kind of like the starting point of my deepening yoga journey. And not necessarily because of yoga, but at the same time, I also started getting into raw food in a big way. I guess that was like my saving grace in a way. And it was so extreme and... I don't know, it seemed exciting to me at the time to do something so revolutionary and it really was a food revolution for me at that time. I think I was, you know, in my early 20s when I, yeah, basically did a major food overhaul and committed to eating only raw for, I think I was going to start for like a month or six months maybe, but it turned into like two years of being super obsessed and dogmatic about raw food and you know when you're eating raw food it's obviously vegan as well because you're not eating raw meat that also meant I cut out alcohol I cut out caffeine I wouldn't even have hot tea at the time like I would steep herbs overnight at 40 degrees and then have that as my herbal brew so I was pretty pretty into it and pretty extreme and everything that I was doing at the time was pretty intense it was definitely a very big awakening on many levels for me and I really believe that food is such a good road in to bringing more consciousness to every aspect of our life and I always yeah that's why I'm really passionate now about Ayurveda because it's yeah one of the foundations of that is obviously diet but it's such a effective way to change the way that we feel to change the way we relate to our planet and even our relationships obviously food's a big social thing as well and that was confronting when I was doing the raw food thing because going out to dinner (laughs) became problematic not so much for me but for the other people that I was with they were like what are you gonna eat and I was like oh it's fine I'll just get a salad and there'll be no dressing there'll be no you know fun bits there'll be no cheese or anything it'll be like a stripped back salad and I was cool with that because I was really excited about eating this way you know it didn't bother me I wanted to eat this stuff so that's I was quite happy to do that but also not drinking was confronting in a social situation because people again were like uncomfortable with me not drinking I guess because it forces them in a way to look at their own behavior and go like oh I remember people going like oh I don't want to drink with if you're not drinking or I don't want to get drunk if you're not drinking you know and it's like I I didn't care I was like I'm not drinking because I just don't want to drink you do you I'm not judging you like that's your decision to make it's got nothing to do with me and it doesn't bother me one way or the other whether you're eating a steak and having a glass of wine while I'm having my hot water with lemon and salad like it really didn't bother me because I didn't feel like it was a deprivation choice at that at that point I was like so excited and into it but yeah it brings up a lot so I feel like you know we've both had 
a lot of negative experiences with food and a lot of experimentation with food and a lot of dogma around food. And I'd say that that is very, very common, particularly for women, but also for, you know, certainly the privileged Western woman archetype. I I think, you know, bringing it back to the general topic of food, as we're sort of looking at today, I I think that the reason I, I wanted to talk about this, and I think you'll agree, Amanda, is that I feel like we have become also as as a commentary i feel like we have become so disconnected from food that has been part of the disconnection from ourselves and also to speak in more broad terms from the planet i was listening to a podcast yesterday i'll put it in the show notes mia freeman was interviewing this woman that had lived yes i listened to it as well oh i'm glad you listened to it and she was saying mia was saying that she just could not bear the thought of even slightly associating the food in containers with an animal. Obviously, that is, you know, one really confronting um, part of food for a lot of people. But I think, you know, the, I guess the commercialization and the industrialization of food has really taken us away from that base connection to the land to our planet and I think that's why starting with food and becoming and and perhaps why it was profound for you to do that raw vegan challenge is because it is it is bringing you back into some sense of connection back into yourself Mm -hmm. does that make sense yeah because I experienced that I had never, I I grew up in the city and I had never really even given nature a second thought at the time. When I started doing this raw food thing, I would literally go to Kings Park, huge park in our, in our hometown. And I'd go there at nighttime and like walk around barefoot communing with the trees. (laughs) I was like, just as high as a kite. But, I mean, in saying that, I felt super, super connected and I would say that was probably a turning point in my connection to to nature as a really living, powerful entity because before that I didn't really, I didn't, I didn't even think about it, didn't even like come onto my radar as anything important. Likewise with me, in fact, you know, my childhood, I feel like we were brought up on a highly processed, lots of fast food, lots of packet food, the things that I was able to eat, particularly in childhood, um, in, in primary school, was I just shut up now when I think about it, loads of Hungry Jacks and Red Rooster and Mars bars and Cornetto ice creams and all sorts of things. that is such a 90s throwback (laughs) but you know um I I feel like it was easy to be and and, you know obviously we evolve um spiritually emotionally physically as we age but I really feel like it wasn't really until my 30s when I started really consuming a lot more sort of holistic information about health and I discovered about gluten and dairy and processed foods and you know toxins 
that I really started to ground into things like my meditation practice. Again, like you said, understanding and connecting back into nature and all of those things. So I feel like it really did go hand in hand so that, you know, being aware of food is bigger than just, you know, caring about how many calories you're eating in each day and whether you're vegan or paleo or, you know, whether you eat grains or not, you know, I feel like it it, it connects you to something bigger and it, it does just even take the better you eat improves your stress levels Mm -hmm. well I guess it's because you're bringing more consciousness to what you're putting on your plate and then naturally the quality of that food starts to improve as you become more aware and learn about oh you know what's organic or what's inflammatory or like you know any of those things that you kind of want to go down it's hard to talk about this without getting specific on one way of eating and I want to just kind of preface, even though it's after the fact, (laughs) preface my raw vegan days with that isn't necessarily a recommendation. For me, it was a really powerful time and a way of like looking at everything that I was doing and questioning what I was doing. Um, You know, am I eating this because it's what my parents eat or because it's what I actually choose to eat or, you know, and that made me question literally everything in my life which I think was a really good process for me at the time but in saying that our mentality or our intention or beliefs that we bring to the food that we're eating has a big role to play as well which is I mean again this is why I love Ayurveda because I guess three of the main principles of eating in an Ayurvedic fashion which isn't necessarily about eating kitchery all day long but it's about the way that we prepare food and the way that we eat the food so it's to be done in like a calm and loving and basically conscious fashion and then it's also about eating whole food no matter what that food is eating natural whole organic local seasonal that sort of thing and I think that can go you know across the board if everyone did that just those two things that would be huge. I agree, definitely. I think that Ayurveda is a really beautiful filter over a lot of things. Those two philosophies are definitely philosophies that I take into whatever, you know, food process I might be going through because that evolves all the time. As it should. Yeah, exactly. And I think to talk back to quickly to talk back to the vegan process for you or to talk back to that vegan phase you know certainly there is no right or wrong diet and obviously you can expand more or people can find more information on your website about the doshas but some ayurvedic doshas can thrive on a vegan diet and others would actually you know completely physiologically shut down and and certainly I've seen that Mm -hmm. with my female clients so you know there is no and maybe that's why at this point we decided to talk about food in a more whole broad and holistic manner rather than specifically because there is no one diet for any of us you know and that 
can be confusing for people and like I said at the beginning it's polarizing Mm. and it's um it causes so many arguments on the internet between paleo people and vegans and you know but the fact of the matter is that you can thrive on a vegan diet and you can absolutely thrive on a paleo diet and you can thrive eating grains and some neolithic foods and you know I think if we can start to understand and I guess keep an open mind and experiment with our physiology, then we can um, find a way of eating that is, dare I say it, intuitive and perfect for our own body. Mm. Well, I think people like to subscribe to a particular way of eating because it doesn't require as much consciousness. It's like, oh, okay, great. Tell me what to do. That's going to fix me. I don't have to think too hard about it or even feel too hard about it because this is the new way and I'm going to subscribe to this. Whereas when you are really listening to your body and like you said, evolving the way that you eat and relate to food in general, it does require more consciousness and more awareness because this ever-evolving way of eating, we shouldn't be eating one way for our whole life. We go through different phases, our bodies require different things at different times and yeah, like exactly what you said, I totally agree. A vegan diet or a paleo diet can be thriving for one person and it can be toxic for another person so it's not that there's one way and I really want to drive that home because yeah we get so stuck on that it's but with everything it's like there's not one way of doing yoga or one way of doing meditation there's not one way for everyone there's many different paths up the mountain and you know, it's up to each and every one of us to carve out our own path and trust what is best for us and our bodies at that particular time. And yes, intuitive eating is probably the best way to describe it. Really just feeling what your body needs in any given moment and going with that. I want to start to share what or ask you to share and also share what our current philosophies are, how we're eating at the moment. But I want to also say that I think that starting with you know seasonal eating and eating whole foods is a really good way to start that process and to gain that level of awareness that there can be some intuitive eating going on because I think going from either a dogma like I'm just going to say it like veganism or paleo or whatever it might be vegetarian Mm -hmm. which is dogmatic for a lot of people going straight from a dogma into attempting intuitive eating would probably not work and even going from you know eating quite a lot of processed foods obviously isn't going to work it's a transition obviously for us it's been a really long transition and I mean it's still evolving I would say that I'm eating intuitively all the time you know probably a lot of the time I'm not eating intuitively but in terms of my own practice at the moment the way I'm eating has evolved so much just since I became pregnant with Raphael well actually it was probably after I had him but that the realization that the way that I was eating wasn't right for my dosha so it was sort of brought Ayurvedic medicine and approaches to food into my consciousness and only by mistake because as a pregnant woman I started to crave carbs and I was eating really low carb like a super low carb sort of paleo approach and so I 
eating carbs while I was pregnant and then I kept eating because I was breastfeeding. When I had RAF, the weight literally just melted off me in no time at all and I and then it kept melting off and I was six kilos lighter than before I had RAF. And, and I was like, I couldn't believe that I was eating, you know, oats and I was eating rice and I was eating sourdough bread every day, um, gluten-free sourdough bread and all these things that I never would have touched with a barge pole I remember you being so conflicted about that at the time being like but I'm paleo like I'm not supposed to be eating this but I really want it and it feels good totally and now I can see that because I'm a vata you know and I'm a vata pitta so I need to be a little bit cognizant of that but I feel quite vata still, you know, and I'm very little. I, I know that my requirements for carbohydrate is much higher and, and that feels really great. And just like on that note, while we're there, being pregnant is full vata time. It's like you don't get more vata at any other stage in your life than when you are pregnant. And no matter what your dosha, you, yeah, basically become vata dominant during pregnancy and breastfeeding. Yeah, interesting because I always get my fertility clients, once they fall pregnant, I bring them into my clinic or practice and I'm just like, okay, you need to eat all of the carbs now. I want you to eat carbs all of the time. For a lot of women, they're not. I would say looking at a lot of food diaries and tracking the macros sometimes with my clients, we are carb phobic and sometimes that can work for us but other times it can be very counterproductive and it's hard when we're growing another human to sort of let let that go a little bit and certainly because we've been brainwashed by a lot of the paleo stuff and the trends of that and even just general weight loss stuff it's like I feel like just as a general rule it's like carbs equals putting on weight totally definitely which is just not I, I don't think that that's true. I mean, it is for some people, but like we said, every every human has different physiology and how they metabolize and the way that they um, utilize glucose is different. So the way that I'm eating at the moment is definitely eating a lot more carbohydrates and definitely eating a lot less meat definitely incorporating a little bit more dairy into my diet now no milk no yogurt but um some hard cheese and some butter and grains i don't know if it's intuitive eating but i suppose it is a bit more intuitive because i'm not afraid anymore i had for lunch today buckwheat sourdough with avocado some goat's cheese and some ducker i never would have eaten that years ago because i just would have thought that that was so decadent and so a treat meal you know yeah do you think that having your beautiful Italian chef as a husband has influenced your softening around food and like your ability maybe to enjoy food because I always see you guys having these like amazing like dinner parties and stuff and the spread looks insane and I feel like that's just such a cultural like a beautiful cultural social thing that food brings us together and there's that element of really enjoying and nourishing and like yeah spreading the love through food I don't know I mean obviously yeah it's great having my own personal Italian chef but I honestly think that there's skeletons in the closet of my eating disorder they're still there you know but I am so aware of them I, I don't let them you know come out and rattle around too much but I feel like I learned that 
food wasn't going to make me fat and in coming to peace with that my body just adapted to the freedom and so now I just feel like I have more freedom I, don't, I can't even articulate that well but I've the, in letting go of the tight hold that I had on what I was putting into my body I've actually created the freedom to have the body that I want without all of that restriction. Okay, this is actually amazing because this is what we talked about last week with the intention conversation. And it really boils down to when we surrender and let go, I mean, who knew that this also applies to food? But that's when the freedom comes and that's when the expansion comes. Totally. So um, can you share your current philosophies? Because I feel like you're probably even more evolved in terms of intuitive eating. Well, as everyone knows, I'm obsessed with Ayurveda, always banging on about it. But I want to say that eating Ayurvedically doesn't just mean eating like Indian style food. Ayurvedic principles can be applied to any type of cuisine like it can be Mexican it could be Japanese or whatever and I guess my style of eating now is really governed by where I am in the world now I try and just eat for where I am so if I'm in France I'll eat bread (laughs) if I'm in Japan then I'll eat fish which is sometimes problematic as well anyway that's another topic but it really depends where I am if I'm in India obviously I eat Indian food if I'm here in Bali where it's just surrounded by tropical fruit it's literally dropping from the trees all around our house so I eat that and I guess that comes into the eating local seasonal organic kind of pillar of Ayurvedic eating but I really do love this framework of having the doshas to understand what is the best way for me to eat and what I need to eat at a particular time or if I'm feeling a particular way. Like today before I recorded, I was super vata and we'd been like running around the island all morning doing a bunch of errands and being on the on the motorbike also is like very vata inducing because you're just getting like slammed with wind and I just feel like I feel like oh my god I'm getting so overstimulated by wind right now (laughs) which is like so vata we hate the wind it's oh my god just the worst (laughs) But I know that's a bit like over the top, but I can feel it. And so I had a meal for lunch that was super grounding, full of carbs and mushrooms and spinach and like basically cooked food. Otherwise, I probably would have had like a salad or a smoothie if I was feeling more balanced. So I guess it's like in every meal and every day just yeah listening and feeling into what I need to get more back into balance because it's it's always a balancing act right balance isn't a static point that we suddenly arrive at and we're always there it's ever evolving it's it's one of those things that we are as a practice paying attention to how we feel and having these understanding about the dosha is so helpful it's just I feel like we should learn this stuff at school totally totally agree love love everything about the ayurvedic principles when it comes to food as i've already said what about shortfalls and challenges for myself at the moment when it comes to food i i feel like there are a couple probably the biggest one i feel like this is my shortfall a lot or like one of my challenges a lot is motherhood because I feel like there's a couple of things that interfere with, I suppose, intuitive eating and eating seasonally. Um, and I suppose it's time, which is everybody's potential shortfall. Probably just the time of juggling life with 
motherhood with running a business and also really wanting to model really good food behaviour for Raphael but also really wanting him to eat really good food and eat whole food and eat organic and eat seasonally and eat all of those ways that that we both support. So that's something I see as a constant, I suppose, stressor. I could see that as a stressor. Mm. But doesn't that time bit, it sort of makes you realise like how stoked our parents' generation and our grandparents' generation would have been with the convenient food coming in and being like, oh, my God, I don't have to cook everything from scratch. This is fucking revolution. Totally. Yeah, totally. You can <laughs> see that that, like, has been their undoing, but you can you can totally see. And, and you know, time is probably the biggest uh, pushback that I get from all of my clients because I'm asking them to really – you know, there's no easy mm. way to start this food process. It takes time. You have to prepare your own food. I mean, we didn't even get to talk about the, the pitfalls of processed food. And for me, the biggest problem is the oil mm. that everything is cooked in. And so you just have to really yes. like make most of your own food. And so many people just, they just literally can't see that there is that time in their lives available for that. But to me, it's like... Well, it's a priority. It has to be a priority. Exactly. Exactly. So so that's probably my biggest or really only shortfall, and I believe that's probably a fairly sort of general one that would apply to many people. How about you, Mandy? Mm, my main challenge is around being too, I guess, picky in a way. Like when I'm travelling, you know, sometimes yeah, I can't make my own food and I eat out way more than I would like to and sometimes I'm at an airport and I have to buy food that is in plastic and it's that's my biggest challenge, not getting too, like, caught on that whole thing because otherwise I just, just don't end up eating for the whole day and then it's, like, 8 o'clock and I'm, like, super vata girl and it's not good for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I can totally see that that would be an issue that makes total sense and I guess you know at the end of the day I suppose the more that we evolve it really is about trying to drop that dogma and that means even dropping the dogma around plastic when you need to and dropping the dogma around processed foods when you need to dare I say it yeah I mean sometimes it's just a priority like I'm really committed to this no plastic uh zero waste especially the big four as they call them which plastic water bottles is one of them when I was in Fiji earlier in the year I was drinking the tap water because I didn't want to drink plastic bottled water and it was literally making me sick in my stomach like it was making me really sick so I had to just yeah, going by the Fiji bottled water, which I really didn't want to do and I felt so sad and so bad about it. And, yeah, this is something I really am trying to reconcile. That's my biggest challenge. Yeah, that's huge. And I think that that's like another challenge that will resonate with a lot of people. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, you need to come to terms with, you know, whatever the necessity is and what, what is the highest necessity probably hydration mm. environment at that point. So let's lead into recommendations because 
because this is such a loaded and huge topic, we've probably gone a little bit over our typical time slot, which is totally fine because it's worth it. What's your recommendation for food? My recommendation is to know your dosha, to understand your dosha. And there's loads of quizzes online. There is a pretty short quiz on my website and then I kind of explain and describe whatever dosha you wind up being. But I really think this is such an amazing framework for us to have to understand how to eat. Yeah, I just think everyone can benefit. Know your dosha. A great recommendation. My recommendation is going to be based on Ayurvedic but also just, you know, personal check philosophies is to eat organic and seasonally and I think the best way to do that is to actually get an organic box of vegetables seasonal vegetables delivered to you you can get boxes for $30 a week obviously depending on your you know the size of your family and your necessities and we I think our box at the moment is about 60 or 70 dollars and it's got all of the fruits and vegetables that are in season and they're organic. It's delivered to our front door. It's sustainable. I ask them to not put anything in plastic. Sometimes they're a bit naughty and they still do. And I give them the box back and take that box so I'm not, you know, even using any bags. It's And it's easy and convenient and that determines how we eat for the week um, and it's seasonal and it's local. So that's my recommendation. Which company do you use? I use a box called the Organic Collective. Mm, That's what I used to get. Oh, wow. Yeah, they're awesome. And I know like every city around the world has this service available. So I think that that's a wrap for this week. It is. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Elevate. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed recording it. For any further updates with me, you can come along and follow me at Instagram. I'm at at Shopkins Health. And if you'd like to stay tuned with me throughout the week, I'm at yoga underscore alchemy on Instagram. And what we would love right now is if you can hit subscribe, leave us some stars, leave us a few words, any questions or feedback we love to read. So keep it coming and have an amazing day.